You're listening to the Marketing Agility Podcast with Frank Days and Roland Smart. In this episode, we're speaking with Alyssa Fink, former CMO at Tableau, who led through an amazing period of scale and growth, ultimately that led to an IPO, and later to the acquisition by Salesforce. She currently advises CMOs, sits on boards such as Concora's, and she's been an adjunct lecturer at the University of Washington. We'll kick off that conversation right after this brief announcement. This podcast is brought to you by our good friends at the Business Agility Institute. Their upcoming Business Agility Conference is just around the corner on March 11th and 12th in New York City. I'll be there. There's a whole track on marketing. Listeners of this podcast, you get 20% off registration. How do you do it? You go to rsmartly forward slash bacon 2020. That's R-S-M-A-R-T period L-Y forward slash B-A-C-O-N 2020. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Alyssa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Roland. It's a pleasure to be here with you and with Frank. Well, you are our representative CMO in this series about scaling agile marketing. So we're really interested to hear from you and about your experience at Tableau, where you were leading through an incredible period of growth. We'd love to know, start just by putting that growth in context for us, and then maybe sharing a little bit about the role that Agile played. Sure. Well, it was an incredible journey. I was very lucky. Um, I was there for about 12 years. When I joined, um, we were about, Tableau was about 5 million in revenue and about 30, 35 people across the company. There were three of us in marketing. Um, and then when I left about a year ago, um, we had achieved uh, 1 billion in revenue, zero over 1 billion in revenue. Marketing was uh, over 300 people and the company itself was something like 4,400 people, 4,500 people. And so it was quite, uh, quite an experience of growth. And I think when I look back and I think about um, how we grew and, and thinking about this podcast and thinking about Agile and I think about all the different phases we went through, what I, what I, what, what uh, so interesting to me. I love Agile because I think in the early days in particular, by default, without even thinking about it, really, you uh, you enact a lot of Agile principles. You know, you really do because you're small, you're very focused, your team, you're, you're talking to each other, you have your stand-ups, you're, you're doing the things that, that Agile um, uh, wants you to do, well, you, you know, to follow those practices just by default because you're small. And and then as you grow, you start getting a little bit more systematic, a little more process, sometimes bureaucratic, and you lose that edge sometimes that, that you had when you're small and when you really truly were agile just because you were small. And so I think one of the great things about agile is bringing back and, and it, more than just bringing back, bringing back and improving and enhancing those small teams that were so dedicated and so able to get things done and so focused. Um, I think that's what agile does. I think it's just so important to today's marketing world because so much is demanded of us. You know, as a CMO at Tableau and the head of marketing that entire time, I mean, I was a real fan of, of Agile and I believed in it. I supported it. Teams would come in and want to do it and we would, you know, try to bring back a lot of that energy um, that goes with Agile and gets things done. But I have to say, I wish I had been more of an advocate. I wish I had been more of an enforcer of, of, of Agile because I think we could have even um, 
made more from the resources we had um, if we had been a little bit more um, deliberate about our agile journey. I think in different areas of our groups, of our marketing team, we had agile practices, but some areas we didn't as much. Of course, the interactions were, were pretty good about that. But I, I really, as a CMO, my advice to other um, marketing leaders would be like, you know, get behind this, you know, get get focused on it because it's going to enable you to do what you need to do. It's going to enable you to be strategic and be smart and ensure that everything you're doing in service of your strategy is um, everything you're doing tactically is in service of your strategy and it's doing it in a very fast, efficient and scalable way. So I would say in terms of my journey, I wish I had been more deliberate about that. So having been through this incredible period of growth, if you were to do it over again, or if you just had advice for a CMO at a growth company, mm-hmm. besides suggesting that they advocate for it, what other mm-hmm. kinds mm-hmm. of guidance would you provide them to set them up for success? Well, I think that's a, that's such a great question, Roland. I mean, I think the thing is that there's this pressure that you have to deliver. You know, you've got to produce um, results. You know, you've got to produce awareness in your market and demand gen and revenue and, and customer engagements. And, you know, you just got to get, you know, you've got these things that you've got to produce. But on the other hand, you also have to produce a department, a company, an organization that can get things that they can, can operate well and can move quickly and, and deliver on strategy. So you're also thinking about building team and process and, and um, your, your operations, how you, how you do things. And so I think that you have to be thinking long-term in terms of where your market's going and how you're building your organization, but you have to be thinking, you know, real now, real term, uh, in terms of what are the results you're delivering and how are you going to get there? So, and so then you've got this, that dynamic, the dynamic of time, uh, short-term, long-term, but then you also have the dynamic of, well, I'm building things for um, the process, but I'm then running campaigns or I'm running things to get results. And so I would ask, um, I would counsel CMOs and executives and marketing leaders to be conscious about that dynamic that those choices you're making in terms of I'm doing this thing to build for the long term or I'm doing this thing now to get the, uh, the immediate or the current results we need. You, you, you've got to be conscious about the trade-offs that you're going to make between those things because if you're too focused on the long term, you're too focused on building things for two to three years from now systems-wise or even even market presence, messaging, you're not going to get the results you need now that the company is relying on you for. But then if you're too focused on the short term and all you're worried about is results, today's results, you're not ready. You're not ready in six months or a year. You're not doing the things that set you up to be successful. So I would make, I would say to people, be very conscious about the trade-offs that you're making between um, just getting work done and process and timing. What do we need today? What do we need next year or the year after that? It's, I'm not saying that there's an answer, that there's a certain secret magic to the balance of those things, but I am saying that by being conscious about those trade-offs you're making, you're going to be better at it. I can remember in my day at Tableau, like there were times when I would make uh, short-term decisions that I knew were trading off a long-term bet. But I knew that. And that was the important thing. I could make the judgment that it was better to do the short term thing than the long term thing. On the other hand, there were things that I would do that I were like, no, I would love to take advantage of this incredible short term opportunity or this real time opportunity. But I can't. We don't have what it takes. I got to be thinking about the long term. Next year's opportunity is way too big to compromise for this thing. I'm going to trade that off. Again, by being conscious of it, you can make better decisions. I love the point about being really, you know, that trade-off. It's something that I think that we see many marketers make when they're 
getting into using agile in their organization and trying to figure out that trade-off between process and and results you know many of the the kind of core rituals of agile which were you know adapt, adapted from what software developers do don't always mm. fit perfectly for marketers but the other side of it is yeah you know how do you make sure the you know, you probably heard this metaphor, this analogy, the corporate T cells from forming really strong, you know, responses to things in your organization as you grow. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's, um, it comes from a lot, I think it comes from a lot of things. I think for sure it's, um, it's, 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 it's ensuring that people see how they fit in and why this is good for them um, personally, like what's in it for me a little bit, you know, like how is growth happening for me? Um, and if I'm going to institute change or institute new ways of doing things, you know, that's disruptive to people day to day and, and, you know, long-term and, and they want to know how this, this impacts me. So I think bringing them along in the journey and and creating that understanding um, is really important. Um, you know, there's, there's this thing that you could you could you could invent this incredibly complex process that solves everything, but if you don't get the people on board, they're not going to use it, and they're not going to do anything with it, and you're not going to get any goodness out of it. On the other hand, you know, keep it. If you just let people, you know, operate any way they want to, you're gonna it's going to be hard, and you know, life's going to get confusing real fast, you know. So it's really a question of how much process and how much people, how do those things blend? And I find that kind of keep it simple, start small get some quick wins, you know, sort of classic things um, is really effective. And then helping people see how this is good for them and how it fits them. And if it doesn't fit them, if it's not good for them, it's really a question of like, well, then what am I trying to accomplish? Uh, It's like, is this the right thing for us? Is it a people issue? Is it a process issue? Is it a timing issue? You know, getting them involved early will help you figure out how much, how fast and how, how quickly you can go. The rate of the the rate, the speed of the pack is determined by the speed of the leader. So if you're if you're bringing your pack along with you, um, that's going to be a, a a lot better way to do it. And so I think you just constantly have to be balancing um, um, the people thing with the process thing. Um, but you will find people that will really gravitate toward it, and and that that's a great thing. You know, you should leverage the interest and leverage people who are into it. And you know, you'd be surprised when you start talking about it. Uh, there are plenty of people who already know plenty about it, and they'll be really excited that you know you're you're doing it. <laughs> so that's a, that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, some of your comments are really consistent. I think with what we've heard from others on the podcast and in my own research about one the the critical importance of executive buy-in. Mm. Um, agile transformation mm. without executive buy-in is a lot harder mm-hmm. um, and in many cases impossible. Mm-hmm. And I think the the role that the marketing leader has to play in setting expectations with the team and keeping them engaged is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, as you grew agile adoption at Tableau, but uh, also potentially, I'm curious what you're seeing in some of the companies that you are an advisor to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are there particular functions that you feel are optimally positioned to be champions within marketing and that can have a, um, can increase the chances of success of Agile? 
Yeah, definitely. I definitely feel like marketing operations is, is they're so close to code as it is, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the keepers of the MarTech stack and they enable. I mean, I always looked at marketing, our marketing technologists, and that's what I would call them. Like hiring a great marketing technologist is a great thing. Um, our marketing technologists enabled everybody else. You know, they really did. There was hardly anything uh, that you can do in marketing that didn't touch some part of the MarTech stack, right? So you needed your, you know, your marketing IT, your marketing operations to be great. And I think they, because again, they're so close to code, the principles of Agile coming off of software development, they themselves, so many of them are developers. Um, they were smart about bringing that in and seeing it and, and recognize that either through their colleagues or through conferences or through general education they do. I think they were some of the first people to see the benefits of agile and the benefits of even bringing in just some of the casual practices or I don't mean casual, but some of the practices that don't require wholesale adoption, just start bringing it in. They were the, among the first. And I think it is a very natural place for that, a very natural place. And then what happens is because they're able to start serving the rest of the organization better, um, the rest of the organization starts to realize, boy, this could work for us too. Or how can we plug into that? How can, how can we be faster and more uh, and, and scale better? Um, and so I think that's a really natural place um, where it comes in. Because again, they're so close to, to the idea, the original source of Agile. Um, it, they just, they're able to bring it in and, and make it make sense. And, and, and also adjust it in a lot of ways for marketing. As you said, it's not a perfect fit from its original sources, but, but there's so much goodness to it. So what about the, you know, the intersection between, you know, annual planning? When, when you were at Tableau, you went from being a, a small private company to public and then ultimately acquired by Salesforce. How do you reconcile the, the agility and, and, and sort of shorter planning cycles that you have in, in a startup, maybe in a startup company, you know, there's less of this kind of quarterly cadence and annual budgets and, you know, and you still have that, you still have the annual budget you still have yeah. regular board meetings yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah. How do you reconcile the quote unquote strategic planning that you have? Oftentimes in bigger companies, you might have two, three, four, five year plans within yeah. an organization. Reconcile that with the need to, to keep the, 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 the agility that you really need to, to continue to compete. Yeah, I think I think a couple of things. I mean, we definitely from the beginning were definitely, um, you know, we would we were pretty clear on what we were trying to accomplish, you know, at any given time. You know, what are we trying to accomplish as a company? So we had pretty clear as a executive team. Um, we had pretty clear, like, what are we trying to accomplish this year or in the next two years? You know, and it gets a little grayer the further out you go. Um, but quarter by quarter, what are we trying to accomplish as a company and by team? And then keep it pretty simple so you can see the intersections. Like if sales trying to accomplish, you know, some kind of, you know, sales enablement program in such and such a quarter in a year, you know, that has a lot of implications for marketing, you know, as an example. Or even if dev is planning on a massive release in, you know, mid next year or something like that, or some big, you know, or we're going to go um, make some big technical improvement that maybe the customers will see, maybe they won't. But you, you have to have big, that could have big impact on marketing. So I think you do need that high level plan. Um, and, and it can be pretty simple. I really believe in like, let's not get into like, you know, let's be able to describe our plan. Now, at the detail level, every department, every area has to have their detail plan, but it's helpful to roll that up into specific objectives and specific accomplishments you want to achieve that then roll up into the company's um, cross-team, cross-group uh, objectives and goals. 
So we were pretty good about that in the beginning. Um, and then you're just constantly talking about it. You're constantly making sure that those are still relevant, those big objectives. And they're not necessarily like, there's not like 50 of them. There might be four or five major objectives that you're really trying to accomplish that, you know, underneath any objective could be a lot of different things you need to do. And in marketing, probably more than any other group, in my opinion, it's a portfolio of activities, right? We are like managing a mutual fund of a lot of investments that are trying to get results and trying to get ROI um, for the long term and the short term. And so you as a marketer are constantly looking at your portfolio of activities in the context of these objectives for the annual plan, but also the longer term plan. So it's, it's, it is really, it's a great question because you are constantly balancing like where we're going with where we are. But I think constantly keeping people oriented to the you know, to the objectives that you have for that year are super important. And, and I would encourage people to think, think widely. You, you think about the, the, the marketing flywheel or the funnel, the old fashioned funnel or the marketing flywheel that keeps feeding itself. Um, or keeps spinning um, is a good way to think about it. What are you doing for every part of that flywheel? And then what are you doing for the team? What are you doing to build your team and, and, and build the people that keeps the flywheel moving? And that's, I think, where the agile investments really come in because it's really an investment in your team to be able to get, let them have the opportunity to do their best work in the easiest possible way, get the most creativity out of them, get the, the best work out of them without creating um, false obstacles from lack of process or lack of, of, of knowing which way we're going. So I, I think it's all very connected. It's a great question. Your, your comments really, um, I think, shine a spotlight on the, the complexity of running a marketing organization at scale. One of the things that we hear yeah. from leaders that have rolled out Agile broadly is that one kind of complexity that they see is that different teams need to actually adopt slightly different Agile methods, depending on the mm. particular use case or their particular function or activity or business initiative. Yep. Um, yep. And I think a lot of marketers struggle to manage across this diversity of approaches. And I'm just yep. curious to hear a little bit from you about, is that something that you faced? Um, mm. Did you invest mm -hmm. sure. in, in, in a person or in an organization to try and address that? Yes. Yeah, no, we certainly did. In fact, yeah, we, we um, started building out of the program management office, for lack of a better term, which was trying to build the discipline of how things get done in an agile way, preferably as much as possible. But that being said, not because you're managing such a huge portfolio of activities and some of these activities are huge and some of them are small and some of them are weeks and months long and some of them are days long you know um, there's such a huge portfolio of things that are happening at different you you don't need you know you, there's times when you're going to do things that just don't require the level of depth or detail that other things do with respect to your agile processes or your the way you get things done. And so I think we, we really um, went through a lot to be deliberate about when does something require us to be super integrated and super smart about how this works, how we work together to get this done in the most agile way. As opposed to, no, this is something that doesn't have to go quite all the way. In fact, in a lot of ways, some of the things that's great about Agile is just training people to be smarter about how they get their work done with other people. It, it might not even be officially the process. It might just be like, hey, it's really helpful to talk to people. It's really helpful, you know, to, to do some of the principles and practices just even in a casual way. Um, so, but we were pretty deliberate about um, knowing when something had to be an integrated 
um, effort that required us to be you know, pretty, pretty connected and pretty agile about it versus other things that could just be a little bit softer um, that because they didn't require the scope or the scale or the time um, or the integration with the rest of the company for that matter. Um, we could be a little more, a little softer, but using some of the, even the soft practices of, of, of agile um, helps a lot too. I think it makes people better as much as it makes um, the process better. The podcast itself, I've been doing this off and on for the last nine years, trying to wow. interview people to talk about the agile and marketing. And, you know, early on when the, in the, the conversations, we were scraping and scratching to find anyone who didn't think we were completely nuts and trying <laughs> to find people who were doing it to now where the conversation is starting to pick up. You know, we're, there are, we're definitely finding pockets of people who are trying to make it work. Yeah. I mean, how far do you, from your point of view, how far do you think it's, Agile is going to go in the marketing department? Do you think it's going to be like in the software development world where it's kind of the standard operating procedure for virtually every software development team to where it is right now where, you know, there are people definitely trying it, but people are, are really, most organizations are really early in their journey. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it could go pretty far because it's, it's a great way to work. I, I once heard this thing about like, today's teenagers or even, you know, toy millennials or whomever, that they're true digital natives. You know, like there's never been a world without all the digital things we have today. For me, someone like me, I love technology. I'm a gadget girl. I, I, I was into it early. But when I went to college and high school, I'll say high school more than college, high school really, you know, you type things on a typewriter, you know what I mean? Computers were like a new thing. And so as much as I feel like I'm a good, this is a good second language to me, I'm good at this is a second language. It's not my native language, you know, honestly. Um, so, so I think what's great, I think it will become like agile still for me, but I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm a good second language speaker. I could barely speak it. Um, but like people behind me, 10 years behind me are good second language speakers. And, but I think as marketing attends to, you know, more and more companies realize the benefits and they drag old like me along. And even some of the second language speakers of, of agile, there's these people coming into the workforce that this is going to be first language. Like this is just the way it's done. Kind of like what you said about software development. So I think it's going to, it's going to be a while before it's like natural and just like, well, of course, is there any other way to do this? It's going to be a while just because it takes evolution. You know, revolutions are rare. Uh, evolutions are, you know, more common. And so I just think it's, I think it's got uh, a great opportunity to go the distance and be the way that the, the default way. But I think it's going to take years. I also think there's going to be some things that marketers as we get as, a, as an industry, uh, a functional industry, better at it, we're going to start making some adjustments that it's going to be more a marketing, ad, you know, as it is people are adjusting it to make it work for marketers. It's just a different process. You know, it's just not quite like software development, the way marketers get done, things done. And it's a little different in terms of like, again, I mentioned the portfolio of activities. At any one time, a marketing team could have you know, dozens, hundreds, even thousands of things happening. So, you know, it's not quite like the software development, quite that same way. Um, so I think there will be continued adjustments and refinements that make it possible for marketers to have a more natural sense of how much Agile to use when and when it really makes a big difference. So, so as it evolves, I think adjustments will be made. People will come to it. It will be natural for them. It'll be the first thing they learn. And eventually, this will be the default way that marketing teams operate. Great. Well, 
Thank you for you know the feedback and all the answers to the great answers to the questions today. Well, thank you. Maybe we can check in at some point in the next year or two to see how things are going and yeah. know, get a sense of the companies that you're working with and how they're all doing yeah. on their agile journey. Just as a reminder to our listeners out there, you can find the Marketing Agility Podcast on agilemarketingblog.com as well as on iTunes. If you like this episode, share show us some love with a review on iTunes. And um, everyone out there, thank you again for joining us today and please stay agile.